0: To help fund a life-saving vaccine or send aid in a natural disaster, all you have to do is buy wine. That's the idea behind One Hope, the California-based wine brand providing people the opportunity to do more good through everyday actions. Their wine, gourmet coffee, and gift sets each support a charitable cause. Founded in 2007 by a group of friends, One Hope incorporates social impact into every varietal of wine and every product they produce. Every case of Pinot funds a pet adoption, while every bottle of sparkling helps fund two meals to help end childhood hunger. No one needed another excuse to pour themselves a glass of Merlot, but One Hope makes it all the more appealing. Brandon Hall, the co-founder and chief brand officer of One Hope, joins the Ivy podcast to talk about how he and his friends built the socially conscious brand from the ground up and their mission of bringing people together to celebrate and serve the world.
1: Every time there was a conflict within the company, you're always reminded why we're doing this. It was, it was never, it's never been about us. It's never been about money. It's never been about any of that for us. For us, we wanted to create a brand that inspired people, inspired the world and made the world a better place.
0: Please enjoy our conversation with Brandon Hall.
2: You're listening to the Ivy Podcast by Ivy, the social university. We are the grad school for life, and our mission is to spark world-changing collaborations by introducing you to the most inspiring people, ideas, and experiences in the world. For more information about the Ivy community and to find out about events happening near you, visit ivy.com and email us at membership at ivy.com.
3: Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Excited to be here.
3: Uh, So tell us about One Hope Wine.
1: Yeah, so One Hope Wine is a a California wine brand that uh, bakes social impact into every bridal of wine that we produce. Um, We have uh, over 40 different bridals that we source from all over the world at this point, mainly California, and each one of them has a quantifiable social impact tied to it. So for instance, every bottle of sparkling helps fund four meals. Um, every bottle of our Merlot funds a life-saving vaccine, every case of Pinot Noir funds a pet adoption, uh, and so forth. So we try to incorporate giving into every product that we produce, um, and most of them products that people consume on a daily basis. So we kind of promote this um, the ability to do good every day through products that you're already consuming.
3: What led you to this concept?
1: We started working at Gala Wine Company right out of college. There's eight of us that founded One Hope together. Um, my business partner and our CEO, Jake Cloverdance, came up with the idea when he saw the emergence of cause marketing in grocery stores. Um, by that, I mean, during during this This was 11, 12 years ago. During that time, during the month of October, the entire grocery store would turn pink for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Everything from Campbell Soup to wine brands to you name it, the is pretty much completely pink during those days. And we were young sales reps running around selling wine um, during that time and saw this happening. And we also saw the, the emergence of, of wine brands that also were putting causes, what is you know called cause marketing, um, behind their brand for a month at a time and wines that we represented as well. And we just saw that consumers love supporting these brands, retailers love supporting them, and it would seem to be a win-win for everyone, but they were only a a week or month-long promotion. It was never anything more than that. And so we came up with this idea of why not create a brand that gives back year-round and make giving part of the fabric of the business rather than just a cause marketing campaign. And that's kind of the, where the idea started. Uh, Jake, Jake got a small loan from his, after talking about this for a while, got a small loan from his parents to... To buy about 160 cases of wine, and from from a winery in Napa, and drove it down in really really beautiful like clip art pit, uh, labels on it, but decent wine, and drove it down in a U-Haul to Southern California, put in a storage unit, and just started, you know, kind of giving, you know, we all kind of started giving it away. We talked about it all the time, but we were still working our full time jobs. We we hadn't really kind of done anything with it other than just talked about it. What initially was the kick in the butt is that we were sitting, there was three of us, we all kind of had left Gal. a couple of us had left Galo, we all kind of were doing our own thing, and three of us got together for uh, lunch and started talking about this idea and what would happen. Basically, if we launched this brand, what, what we would need to get it going, um, how many cases we'd have to sell a month, what type of funding we would need to get it going. And just kind of like brainstorming this whole idea of one hope that we've been talking about for a year, and there was wine sitting in a storage unit waiting to be sold, and um, and the gentleman, the owner of the restaurant, came over to us and said, "You know, I'm really sorry, but I had been I've been eavesdropping on your conversation, and can I ask you a couple questions?" And really started just digging into what we were talking about, and he's like, "I have." distributors walk in here every day trying to pitch me on new brands and new ideas of wine and i've never heard anything like this i've never been inspired by something like this this is something that i really think you guys should do and he's like why don't you bring the rest of your team in here tomorrow and and uh we'll taste through it and we'll go from there but if it's good wine i'd love to support it and so the next day we came in and uh tasted all the wines with him and he essentially kind of gave us a really a, a pep talk and said, you guys need to do this. The world needs more brands like you. The world needs more people like you guys. And um, I'm happy to be your first customer and support this brand. And so that's kind of was the, the kick in the butt that made us actually start the company and quit our jobs and do it full time. And from there, we basically started selling it. We went back to our founder, one of our our apartments this is in newport beach california and literally split up the business plan and each of us kind of took a different part of the business plan slash business and said i mean it was literally like who wants to design the next the brochure and i was like i'll do that and like who knows quickbooks or wants to open a bank account (laughs) and uh someone was like i'll do that and like who wants to look for a winemaker and someone grabbed that and then we kind of split up the, the territory of southern california and loaded up the back of our cars with the wine that was in the storage unit and just started selling it door to door. And that's really kind of how it started.
3: That's really fascinating that there are eight founders. How has that helped you and how has it been challenging?
1: Right, uh, yeah. And I get, who are they? So there's, um, so the eight founders, there's actually six left at this point. Um, but it's Jay Klobrands, who's our CEO, Tiffany Wykovich, which is our chief revenue officer and kind of oversees all of our sales. Tom Leahy, who is our president. Um, Kristen Schreuer, who runs all of our national account sales. And um, Sarah Gora, who runs all of our um, national wholesale sales. And um, how we got, how we started a company with eight co founders (laughs) with literally no money in the bank is is a question we get all the time. I think it's the the one thing that's really kept us together is having all of us being there for each other and having each other's backs. There's, starting a business is hard in general, then starting it in the wine industry is a whole nother story. And there's been tons of ups and downs along the way, but is every time someone seemed to be down or someone seemed to be having a really hard time, there was a couple other people that are picking them up. And so that's really helped us along the way. I think the other thing that really has helped us stick together and, and get this company where it is today is every time there was a conflict within the company, you're always reminded why we were doing this. It was, it was never, it's never been about us. It's never been about money. It's never been about any of that for us. For us is we wanted to create a brand that inspired people, inspired the world and made the world a better place. And, Every time that there was some sort of internal, like head budding or struggle, we would literally get an email the next day from someone that was like, I'm a breast cancer survivor. I found your, I found your wine. I literally, you know, cried when I read your story and heard what you guys are doing. Like I'm buying this for all my friends that are struggling with breast cancer and please keep doing what you're doing. And every time we got those, it just reminded us like why we're doing this. And, and made us all stronger. So I think a combination of those, team, those things are what have held us together throughout this and, and continue to motivate us.
3: And how did you all meet? What brought you together in the first place?
1: So Jake and I met on the football field at Cal Berkeley. <laughs> <laughs> that might help I, with some bonding. <laughs> right, exactly. So I was a tight end. Jake was a, D, a defensive end. So we literally met hitting helmets against each other. <laughs> um, and then he he left uh, about a year before I graduated, a year before I did, and went and got a job at Gallo Wine Company. And I tried to chase my dream, my football dream. And then when I finally hung up the cleats, he um, the team down in Southern California that he was working for I was hiring, and so ended up I ended up getting a job through him at Gallo. And there, literally, the all eight of us co-founders worked on the same team at Gallo. Uh, so we just became very close friends we all kind of meshed really well together and we literally, we would have like I mentioned earlier we would just go we would go to happy hour after work and and then we would all hang out on the weekends and and that's kind of how we all met and bonded and we would always just start talking about business ideas you know there was probably 30 40 different ideas over a span of a year a year to two years that came up and then we ultimately like, fell into one hope and started this together. But yeah, we essentially met just through our first job.
3: Right. So you started to see some trends in cause marketing, which may have uh, started some uh, wheels turning in your your brains, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what were some of the other examples of, of cause marketing that you you saw in... Your store, and maybe in the industry as a whole, and and what uh, led you to do something a little bit different?
1: Yeah. So what we saw going on when we first started is one, the the breast cancer awareness October campaigns were literally everywhere. Um, as I mentioned, you know everything from there was pink Campbell soup labels. There was um, pink toilet paper. There was, you know, three or four different wine brands that turned pink during the month of October. And there was two things that I noticed or we noticed during that time is one, they were gone come November 1st. They spent a ton of money on marketing to get those brands out there. Being in that industry, we, we know how much it costs to put POS in a store and these brands would have massive front entrance displays with huge signs and whatnot. And you times out by all the different stores in the US that's a ton of money that's going into the marketing this, this one month of giving. And in many cases, it wasn't very, really clear what was happening. Like it would just said this donated X charity, this helped fund X charity or went to this type of research. It was never very clear. Like this is exactly what's happening with this money. And so that was the thing for us that really drove us to do something that that people could actually connect with um, and create a brand that that actually helped people connect with what's actually happening with the money and then made it a year round thing and did, made it not just a campaign. Um, so that was, that was really the impetus of, of what happened. The other thing that happened with us is, is brands that we sold would put a cause behind it and it, it, retailers that it would never want to display wine or would never want to promote this certain wine just because there was a cause behind it, were all about it. And we would put huge displays in the store and consumers loved it. So we just saw this this trend happening of like consumers wanting to help out, consumers wanting to buy things, buy products that made an impact and did good, but there was also this, this desire for transparency and an understanding of what their purchase is doing um, and that was kind of the, two, the combination of those two things is what drove us to create this create this brand and create a brand that that was transparent and was authentic um, and wasn't just a marketing campaign
3: So how have you created transparency in the model?
1: Two things that we've created one I authenticity and transparency is super important to us and we believe what it is what made has made us who we are today um, from an ath- authentic point of view we started this when we were literally living on credit cards we were giving um we've always given since day one um and i mean i remember giving a thousand dollar check when we had literally had a thousand dollars in the bank account but that was we had we had to build this brand from the ground up with this idea of of giving and the second thing is that we needed to create a transparent um or we need to create transparency by transparency you have to c- tell the consumer exactly where the money's going and what it's doing so so what we did there is we created what we, we call a dollar to impact ratio with every product that we produce so every time um we sell a bottle of merlot someone receives a life-saving vaccine every time we sell a case of Pinot noir a we're able to fund a pet adoption um every two bottles of Sauvignon blanc plants a tree uh, Every case of sparkling funds twenty five meals for for a child in need in the us. so we've we've worked with nonprofits that have created a dollar and impact ratio and then worked with them to create that certain transparency so that one, consumers know what's actually happening with their purchase, and two, we're able to then measure it. So we as a brand can measure the the impact that we're making. So we've donated two point eight million dollars since we've started the company. Um, But we've also uh, funded over 150,000 meals, we've planted over 90,000 trees, and so forth. So there's a much bigger, you understand it a lot more when you hear 90,000 trees rather than a dollar amount. Um, And so we've just made an effort through everything that we've done to connect those two rather than talking about dollar amounts or percentages, because at the end of the day, what matters is really what's happening. Um, and being able to measure that for us as a brand, for consumers, for accounts, um, and so forth.
3: How did you choose the nonprofits?
1: So we have a 15-point a ratio that we use to work with nonprofits. The the biggest, uh, the three biggest ones in there, they must be a 501c3. Mm-hmm. Uh, they must have a dollar impact ratio, like I mentioned before, and they must understand the vision of what our brand is trying to do so we try not to work with charities that are asking for a huge upfront donation we want to work with them um, as we as they grow because the, as we grow together the bigger our brand gets the, the more wine we sell per year the more we're donating back to them so it's kind of needs to be that shared vision they need to be super transparent with their dollar to impact ratio and they have to just they have to be an overall just good good people and a good charity that understands kind of what we can do together.
3: And and how did you choose the sectors? Animal for, rights oh. versus?
1: <laughs> so we chose the different nonprofits we work with for a variety of different reasons. The first couple we did, the first three that we did, we launched a brand was breast cancer, AIDS awareness, and autism. And we felt that those were three three really big issues that, you know, this is 10 years ago. So those were three really big issues that touched a lot of people and um, around the globe. And so that's kind of why we started there. And then as we started expanding, we, we like, we connected different stories with, with the, with the causes. So for instance, our Zinfandel supports the troops Our the, Zinf, the Zinfandel grape is known as an all American grape and is known for having a very tough skin. So we thought it made sense to connect it with the troops. Our Zinfandel, Excuse me, our Sauvignon Blanc. Sauvignon Blanc is known as an earthy, grassy wine, just in general. So we connected that with the environment. Um, Pinot Noir with pet adoption, we just love the same um, Pinot for Paz from a marketing perspective. So we, we put those two together. And so it's been, it's, it's, to me, it's all about storytelling and it's part of creating stories with, with brands and with products. And so every time we release one, we try to connect a fun story with it.
3: Yeah, fun and playful. I yeah. Love that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so can we talk a little bit about, about you and your, your yeah, story? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Okay, great. Um, okay. So I grew up in, in Orange County and really what, what my life up through college was sports. I played baseball, and ho- baseball, hockey, and football in high school, and then ended up getting this football scholarship to Cal Berkeley. And really at that time my focus was just doing everything I can to be successful at that to get a a college education uh, which that helped me do and I was gonna figure out once I got through that but I was gonna try to go as far as I could at that first and I ultimately look back and people often ask me what I majored in and I kind of say football because it really what I've learned through my sporting career um, was everything that we've used during building this business it's teamwork it's just it's determination it's hard work it's hustle it's it's all those things that I learned kind of willing my way to become an athlete I was never the most talented one in the field I was never but I I worked I worked harder than everyone else I studied more than everyone else and ultimately that's what business has become for us it's the same thing so that's kind of my career and how I got into got into the business world and I essentially kind of my last year trying to get an NFL I, like I, I I put up my best times ever I did everything I possibly could and it didn't work and then I said okay I've done everything I can here I'm going to take the, my next step to the next step in life and that led me to my literally the only job interview I ever went on was was with Gallo and I didn't know anything about wine. I just knew that I needed to get, they have a very well-known um, sales training program and managerial training program, and they recruited heavily out of Bay, Bay Area athletic programs, and And I had a couple friends that worked there. So I'm like, oh, I'll give this a shot, but I literally didn't know anything about wine, and I said that in my interview. I'm like, literally, the only wine I've had is my mom's white Zinfandel with ice cubes in it. So. I'm starting from ground zero here and they're like, that's fine, but, you know, we'll teach you everything you need to know. And really that was, that was the start of my career. And they, they kind of just throw you into the, the wolves. And, um, I was a shy kid that really, you know, never really saw myself in sales, but they just threw you in grocery stores and said, figure it out. <laughs> um, and yeah, so that's, that's kind of how it got started. I worked there for just about a year and then we started one hope from there.
3: Tell, tell me about the grocery store experience.
1: <laughs> <laughs> my first day, I literally, I, my manager pulled me up to a grocery store. We go through like a week, of, I think a week and a half of training, just wine training and sales training there. And then I'll never forget, my manager just pulled me up in front of a Ralph's in Huntington Beach, California, and said, go in there. We haven't had a rep in this store for about a year go in there, find the store manager, and introduce yourself. And I was like, really? <laughs> do you want me to do that? He's like, yeah. And I had no, I mean, I was literally shaking at the time. I was so nervous. I had never done anything like that before. And so that was literally my first experience in sales, was like going into the grocery store and asking checkers and tellers, like, where's the store manager? And I'm introducing myself to him, and he literally looked at me and said, get out of my store. <laughs> I'm like, why? He's like, I haven't had a, a rep. here for like a year and a half like you i'm doing fine without you or something like that and so basically you know spent the next year trying to win the guy back over and that's pretty much how that job goes is just creating relationships and 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 creating trust within these store managers and and going from there Uh,
3: are there any key lessons that you learned from uh your sales experience in those stores that then helped you in your your path at one hope wine
1: yeah my the key lessons i learned from my early days running our grocery stores is relationships is everything every in those cases i mean we're working against three or four other wine distributors that are going we're all going after the same thing and so ultimately it came down to whoever the store manager liked the best he was going to help out Mm -hmm. so my, what I've quickly begin to learn is just how to, how to make them happy, how to build relationships with them, how to connect with them on a personal level level. And that was really the key to, to my success there. I've never been like a hardcore salesperson or a pushy person. It was just, I learned how to be likable and how to help out and how to show empathy. And, and really, that was the biggest lesson I've learned. And that's carried me through this, this entire of 10 years with One Hope is just the importance of building relationships and the importance of building quality relationships. Um, even if it's gonna benefit you or not, you never know who you're gonna meet um, through a random introduction. So I've just, I've carried that with me.
3: Um, it sounds like there were some scary times financially uh, when you decided to make One Hope uh, your main job and quit your day job. Um, (laughs) Tell us about that journey, uh, the financial stresses there and uh, what you ended up doing to raise money and and become sustainable.
1: Okay, so I I was 24 years old when we started this. Uh, All of our founders were between the ages of 22 to 26, but most everyone under the age of 25. And we literally funded it by a small loan from one of our, our teammates' parents uh, initially, and then and then a bunch of credit cards. We literally, there's a handful of us that opened up a bunch of zero percent credit cards when you could get you know, 20, 30, 50 grand in, in credit on zero percent for a year or two years at the age of 22, which I still have no idea how that was possible but we did it and that uh that got us through the first you know 4 to 6 months and at that point about 6 months in we landed our first seed seed investor seed round um, who was a, just a good friend of one of our founders and uh he rolled it, rolled the dice on us big time <laughs> we still joke <laughs> with him today that he that was the biggest gamble he's ever made and i think it's going to pay off for him but um yeah that's how we officially got rolling and then since then it's just been a constant, we've been constantly raising money ever since. Um, the wine industry is one of those industries where uh, it's really expensive to grow a brand in it. And there's, you know, we end up having to buy a lot of our product in the beginning of the year and selling it at the end of the year. So it's just, we constantly have to raise money to stay ahead of the game. And, and um, but we're, we're, you know, 10 years in and, and off and running and doing well. But yeah, it was, those first, those first couple of years were, were pretty tricky.
3: Uh, and what do you envision as the the future of One Hope Wine?
1: Oh, this is a big question. So the future of One Hope Wine is um, it's a pretty exciting at this point. We have had a uh, we've had a couple really kind of fun pivots in the past couple of years um, with the emergence of e-commerce and um, the emergence of our platform. Our sales channel that we call via one hope which is a direct sales channel which is allowing us to create connect directly with consumers and ship directly to them and and um so we see this and we're pretty far ahead of the game i believe and and understand it and so our goal honestly is to become the biggest um, direct selling wine in the world in the next couple years um i think we're already on, on very in the top five in the us right now and you know, we're, that's kind of where we set our, our goals moving forward. So I see us as a, as kind of a big goal. That's kind of our big goal. And then as far as just where I see the, the brand and the product goes, we want to create, um, our cornerstone product is wine, but we have coffee as well. We have gifting. Um, we have a couple other products that we're looking to possibly put out there, but we want to create a brand that, that is full of products that people consume on a daily basis. So you can, whether it's coffee, whether it's wine, whether it's, you know, gifting or whatnot, you know that you can you can use One Hope every day to do a little bit of good, um, whether it's in the morning when you wake up with coffee or at night when you have a glass of wine during dinner.
3: Can you tell us where you got the name One Hope Wine?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We actually, we actually founded the business as hope wine, LS, or just hope wine. And as we started expanding, we started to run into a variety of other brands that had the word hope in it. Um, I think when we actually took the time to dig into it, <laughs> um, we found there are 17 registered brands in the U S that had the word hope in it. And so as we started thinking, as the brand started taking off, and we started thinking about this, we realized that hope wasn't going to be f- very unique um, and it wasn't going to be be able to separate us, especially when we started going into other products potentially. So we just started this massive brainstorm session amongst amongst us to come up with a either a new name or something else we can wrap around the word hope. And one of our advisors actually came to us with one hope and said, I see one hope meaning a group. You're you're a group of of eight founders that are working together on this and inspiring people to come together as one. Um, so the whole idea of one hope is is us and our community and all of our customers coming together as one to work towards hope. And so that's that's where it came from. And that was the one. That as soon as he said it, we're like, yes, let's go with that one. Um, and we think it's been. We just think it's unique. Um, people get it when they, when they hear it, they're like, okay, there's something good going on here. You know, they, they know when they see that word, that that the brand is about something good. And some usually it's they're like, there's some sort of charity, philanthropic aspect behind this. Like, yeah. And it allows us to go into it. So yeah, that's how it happened. We're really, really happy with it and glad we kind of came to that crossroads.
3: Great. Tell us about your distribution model.
1: Yeah. So, We've we've had a very interesting journey with our distribution. Um, when we started the company, there was really only one way to distribute wine, and that was through distributors. And we basically spent the first five years of our business traveling all over the country, meeting with distributors, asking them to carry our brand, and then they ultimately carry it and then sell it to wine shops, liquor stores, restaurants, whatever, throughout the country. It's known as the three-tier distribution system. Um, this was primarily set up after prohibition, um, because States wanted States and governments wanted to collect their tax money and they needed to go through distributors in order to be able to collect it. And this is why wine for the longest time was never able to be sold online is because there was no way to track the tax revenue from it. So that was the only way we did it at the time. And, and like I said, most of us just split up the country and drove all around the country. Um, selling our wine door to door to restaurants and whatnot, educating distributors and working with sales reps to distributors and so forth. And then about, I'd say six or seven years ago, we were able to start selling to, I think at first it was like seven states that we could sell wine to three comp or through our website. And so we really started to focus a lot of time on that. Um, we started to spend a lot of time on social media on, we just figured this was going to be the future and so we were probably one of the first movers in that space and we created our website started selling it through there um then amazon came to the table we spent five years basically going distributor distributor selling you know opening up distributors selling their stores restaurants working with distributor reps etc and then as e-commerce became more of a option in reality we really started to spend a lot more time looking at that and the future of that for our brand and We just realized that way we can create more of a connection with our consumer, a direct connection with our consumer. Uh, Because when we're selling through the traditional distribution model, uh, we're dependent on distributors and distributor reps to tell our story to consumers. And it's like a game of telephone. It typically gets really lost. It's, um, they have probably 400 other brands that they're trying to sell. And so really at the end of the day, it came down to us having this really cool, authentic story about how we started this brand and why we started it. And then I'd go out with distributors like, oh, check out this, this wine that gives back to charity. And which was not really what our brand was all about. It was that made it sound really bad. And so we saw as, as e-commerce became a thing, we, and social media became a thing. We saw that we can then own our own our voice and we can own the relationship with our customer. And so we started to focus a lot of our time on creating great social media content and and selling our wine through those channels for those reasons. Then Amazon started um, Amazon started uh, their Amazon Wine Shop, which really what that did is allowed people to realize that they can then start buying wine online. Um, they're obviously huge and a, and a beast in the industry and people, a lot of people are shopping on Amazon. So when they saw that they can buy wine, they're like, Oh, this is, must be an option now. So we got on board with them very quickly and have worked very closely with them over the past, you know, I think four or five years to grow our presence on their site and also help them just grow their presence. And then something interesting happened about four years ago. We started having a lot of people that just wanted to find a way to help us uh, sell our wine and help us tell our story and we had a a couple individuals in la that were actually interns for us that just started doing at-home wine parties and asking if they could make commission on the wine that they were selling and we said yeah of course and so we they would go and with, get all their friends together and throw an at-home wine party and then and then come back and had sold like 10 or 20 cases during the weekend and made a good couple hundred dollars and we were like huh. And then they started, they had a couple of friends that wanted to get involved. And so we're like, yeah, sure. Of course. Like if you guys are going to sell 10, 20 cases of wine on a weekend, of course. And within a year or so, they had a pretty good network of, of individuals that were just, you know, throwing these wine tastings on the weekend and selling a good number, a good chunk of wine. And, and we're like, there's something going on here. And so we started looking into it and we eventually created, um, what we now call today is via one hope. Uh, VA One Hope is a is a direct sales model that allows individuals to sell our product goods at um, through their own online platform and at home wine parties all over the country, and create a commission on it, and then also raise money for their own local nonprofits. So what we're seeing happen is is we're creating individuals from Maine to Kansas to you know to Washington are are signing up and, and throwing their own Napa-esque at-home wine parties uh with all their friends or local neighborhood or whatever and um on the weekends and one telling our authentic story, introducing people to our brand, connecting people to our brand, and also creating an impact for their local nonprofit of choice. So everything that they sell during these parties. Ten percent goes back to their local nonprofit. On top of that, they make a commission on whatever they sell, and then we're still making the overall donation for all the varietals and brands that we're selling. So what we're seeing what's happening here is we're creating, you know, what we call is known as omni-channel sales strategy. Is we have, you know, our three-tier distribution where we're selling our core varietals of, you know, most in most states, it's eight to ten of our our varietals that are most well known. We have our, our e-commerce store that allows us to sell 40 to 50 plus varietals and over a hundred SKUs when it comes to gifting or whatnot. And we're also able to communicate directly with consumers. And then we're creating this, this community of, of what we call via one, hope CEOs, CEO stands for cause entrepreneurs via one hope, um, which is at this point, 99% women that are just literally falling in love with our brand and just wanting to be connected to what we're doing and and going out with almost literally, I joke with them, almost as much passion as we have around our brand, telling our story and telling kind of the vision of this brand on a, on a weekly basis or on every weekend. So we currently have about 2,500 of them and that number is growing by a couple hundred every month. And we see this being a really big channel for us, one from a sales perspective, but two from a marketing perspective. Because, as I mentioned, they are they're our voice, and they're able to tell our authentic story and spread and spread our vision.
3: Have you been able to measure the effects on those women that are uh, now selling One Hope Wine?
1: We've I wouldn't say we've technically measured the effects of what our brand has done for them, but I do know in many, many cases, we've had um, what we call what is your why session at some of our leader retreats or some of our gatherings where we get some of these these individuals together and their stories are amazing. I'm not really gonna go into to any of them because they're many of them are very, very personal and One Hope and Via One Hope was a way for them to do good like they were trying to find a way to give back and trying to find a way to be a part of something that that was more than that stood for a lot more than than what they could on their own and also to find a community of people like-minded people that they can connect with so i think what this has it's given a lot a lot of them purpose um it's given a lot of them a kind of a this passion desire to do good And I think the biggest thing it's done is it's created this community, it's created a community of, of, you know, of do gooders, of passionate, inspired individuals that want to, to one, be a part of a community, but two, want to be a part of an organization that's making a difference in the world.
3: And it sounds like they're able to personalize it. They're able to uh, choose their own nonprofit, which is local to the community, or do you choose that for them?
1: No, they choose for their parties or events that they throw. So if you were a CEO and you were gonna throw a event or a wine tasting at your event this weekend, you would be able to tag a local nonprofit in through the technology at that event that says everything, ten percent of whatever we sell at this event is gonna to go to the boys and girls shelter um of New York. So every and every person that hosts a party is able to tag what they want 10 percent of the sales from that party to go towards
3: got it so what is the future of give back brands
1: i think the future of social impact brands is just getting started and it's really really exciting to see when we started this company there was there's was really only one really known brand out there that did it year-round and it was um newman's own but no one really knew exactly what they did um, or what they're doing. They just knew that it was a, you know, a product that gave back. And um, since then, you know, obviously Tom's and Warby Parker started right around the same time we did. Um, You know, we've seen this, one of our missions and one of our goals of this company was to inspire other companies to do this. And I think there's been a handful of us, along with Tom's and Warby and some of the other ones that have come out that have, have really started a trend to make sure that your your company or your brand or your product is having some sort of social good going on. And nowadays it's just it's amazing to see that almost every new startup that's coming out has some sort of social good tied to it. Um, and it and also the bigger companies are trying to figure it out. It's harder, I personally think it's harder for them because it's not, I don't feel like it's as authentic as starting a brand from the, from scratch with a social impact model, but they're doing it, which is great. And I truly believe that the biggest problems in this world are gonna be solved by social impact brands and by the private sector. And I think the more that we can help guide other brands and other entrepreneurs to do this, um, we're thrilled too. we're thrilled to see it happening. And I only, I only see it becoming more and more part of the daily norm, um, rather than going backwards at this point.
3: Wonderful. With an industry that has so much competition, how do you inspire brand loyalty?
1: Right. This is one of my favorite questions. Um, we didn't realize when we started this brand that there was literally 9,000 registered brands of wine in the U S um, when you think about it, it's, you when you go into a grocery store you go walk down any aisle and it's the aisles are dominant most aisles are dominated by one or two major brands a couple small brands that are probably subsidiaries of those bigger brands and then you walk down the wine aisle and it's a hundred different brands that all have one facing or are all vying for your attention so that's probably been one of my favorite from my marketing mind it's been one of my biggest challenges. It's probably been the most exciting part of what I've done over the past few years. And what's kept me up at night the most is trying to figure out how to separate ourselves in this industry. And I believe there's, there's four different things that we've done to really help separate ourselves and create loyalty. One, I believe, um, experience is a huge part of it. So, In the wine industry, most people usually just jump around to different brands because, you know, I even do it and I own a wine brand. You know, I'll go in a wine shop and be like, oh, I'll try this one, or I'll try this one, or I'll try this wine from Argentina. But what really kind of keeps people drawn to a brand, I feel, is when they've had an exceptional experience with a certain brand. So if you've gone to Napa and gone to a winery and met the winemaker and sat on the lawn and walked through the vineyards, and had just an amazing day there, you're most likely going to purchase that wine when you see it in a store or or at a restaurant. So how do we create that in a world that, you know, there's only, you know, where we only have one winery and there's so many people to touch. And so I think creating an exceptional wine experience is, is huge for us and we do that through, uh, through social media and really trying to connect people with, with our brands, we do that through our, our website and trying to put up video content that connects people with like what we're doing and educates them on wine and our mission and our, and our vision. And then the other big part of the experience is, is what I've touched on is our, our via impact side is we are helping individuals create Napa Valley as wine experiences at their, at their own, um, at their own home and telling our story and connecting people to our brands there. So, that's one of the biggest thing i think is creating a, a positive and incredible experience around our wine and our brand um two i think community is huge you look at some of the the biggest kind of cult brands around around they have some sense of community around it lou lemon's one of my favorites is they have you know they have an entire team that's that's that their one got job is to create community around the brand and they throw parties in their stores. They do yoga sessions in their stores. They have brand ambassadors that bring people together. They throw events that bring people together. Um, and you look at many of the the brands like them, it's kind of the same way. So we're, we're doing that with our brand in sense of, of, through via one hope and creating this community of people that are working together. We throw events to bring, to bring our community together. We're building a winery that has, um, That has a state eight on it, which is a a membership community that is meant to bring like minded people together um, in Napa Valley to think, to collaborate, to to come up with new amazing ideas that are going to make the world a better place. So we think community is huge. And I also think technology has been has become a big part of it. I mean, in many cases, there's only a handful of wine brands that, you know, you can go to a store and find it most brands if you have an experience with it there's a very good chance if you walk into 10 liquor stores it may be in one of them so it's always it's really been hard for consumers to stay loyal to a brand because there's it's hard to find it um so with e-commerce and with technology today when you have a storefront that you know that you can constantly get the brand that you want to, to buy from, it's huge. So we've put a ton of effort into building a state-of-the-art um, technology platform for not only just our standard e-commerce site, but also for our Via One Hope community to make it incredibly simple to either be a part of a wine club or to just go on your phone and purchase our wine within a couple of clicks. Um, so those are the three things that I, that we've done to really kind of try to create a loyal consumer. Um, and I think the last part of it is as I've touched on before, is just the authenticity, like when you, when someone hears our story and and is connected and feels connected to our brand and feels connected to our mission, I feel like that, that makes people want to try it out. And then, and then at the end of the day when they, when they, um, have a chance to try the wine and see the quality that we have in there and so forth, um, they want to come back for more.
3: Yeah, It really is a a wonderful wine and and great experience that you create around it. Thank you you so much for joining us. Um,
2: Thank you, guys. That's our show for this week. Thanks again for tuning in to the Ivy Podcast by Ivy, the social university. We are the grad school for life.